The role of the modern day pastor and ministry leader is changing. More and more pastors around the world today are ministry leaders who are doing multiple jobs and wearing multiple hats. They are bivocational or co-vocational leaders. They may be pastors looking for creative ways to use their church or staff to create income and revenue for sustainability. They may be ministry leaders who are looking for ways to launch for-profit initiatives or integrate innovation into their organization. They may be those who want to do missions globally and find creative ways to create sustainability. Or they may be marketplace leaders who are called to stay in the marketplace, but want to be part-time pastors, lay pastors, start ministries or nonprofits. This is the age of the new ministry leader. They wear different hats and do different things. They are technologically savvy and global. They are who God is using to make an impact in cities and communities around the world. This is the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast, and these are their stories. Does it seem like mental health is declining? That's because it is. It's reported that mental health conditions have risen up by 20% in recent years. For teenage girls, sadness and depression has increased by 60% in the last two years. Caring for the well-being and wholeness of people made in the image of God is part of our calling and purpose as Christ followers to carry out the redemptive work of the gospel. It is for this reason the Growth Center of Northern Seminary is offering the Certificate in Mental Health and Gospel Care with Steve Cuss and Dr. Jaslyn Dixon in eight-week course beginning April 25th. Leaders will have the opportunity to develop tools for effective change as they shape engage, and encourage the development and wellness of those they serve in their work, church, and community. To learn more and register today, visit our website, thegrowcenter.com. All right, everyone. I am here with Al Lopez, CEO, co-founder of the Best Christian Workplaces Institute. And Al, during my years with the Willow Creek Association, while I was working as a consultant, I always heard about Best Christian Workplaces Tell me, you're live in Seattle. Tell me a little bit about how this organization started. It's a great story, Tommy. Uh, uh, as I was uh, uh, concluding my career in corporate uh, leadership for a large human resource consulting firm, I literally got a call out of the blue. And I describe it as a divine providence called and I answered the phone. And somebody from Christianity Today uh, was looking to do an article in, uh, in Christianity today about who the best companies, best Christian uh, companies or best Christian workplaces were to work for. And they love the uh, Fortune 100 list of best companies to work for. And, uh, and I had been doing with uh, my firm the best companies to work for in Washington, Oregon with statewide business magazines. And so I had a methodology, I had a process and uh, Christianity Today loved that. And we added some uh, Christian questions in the context of our survey. And in April of 2003, on a, it was a cover story of Christianity Today, was the, our first 40 best Christian uh, places to work uh, uh, article. And so it was really as a result of Christianity Today that launched the Best Christian Workplaces Institute uh, and from the beginning, Tommy, our, our vision is that we believe that Christian-led workplaces should set the standard as the best, most effective places to work in the world. So, so that's kind of our beginning story, and that's been our vision from the very start. Uh, has the questions, like a lot of the questions you ask companies, 
has that evolved or changed over a period of time? Have you had, you had to go on back and say, man, it doesn't apply. It may have applied 20 years ago. It doesn't apply now. Has that changed over time? It has changed over time, Tommy. Exactly. That's a great question because uh, we look every year uh, at, uh, at our questions. We basically have uh, 52 questions. We have four core questions that, that define engagement. And, and over time, we've seen that, uh, that some questions have no correlation with employee engagement. And, and again, our focus is Christian-led workplaces, uh, and that includes private businesses that are owned and led by, by Christians. And I'd say probably clearly this applies to uh, uh, secular workplaces to a degree as well. But yeah, uh, so we've made some changes. You know, there's uh, some questions uh, that are well known out there by other survey firms uh, that we've used and we've tested. And it's like, well, in Christian workplaces, they don't correlate with uh, overall employee engagement. So uh, so we have modified and improved them and, and, uh, and changed the wording over time to uh, make sure that they're, they're, they're working. So, yeah, absolutely. We have you on just to talk a little bit about this whole idea of best Christian workplaces. Also, you wrote a book called Road to Flourishing. For you as well, too, is in your 20 years that you've been doing this, what has surprised you, Al? Well, uh, one of the questions that I often get is, uh, what's different between a secular workplace and a Christian workplace? And, and the thing that surprised me the most in a, when I was comparing them in the early years is that actually there's a lower level of trust in Christian workplaces between leadership and employees than there is in the secular workplace. And, and I thought, oh, that's, that's terrible. And it is. But uh, what <laughs> the, the issue is that in, in the Christian workplace and where uh, leaders are, the, are Christians, the expectations are a lot higher. So, so we expect Christian leaders to, to have higher levels of character, maybe even competence. And, uh, and so when Christian leaders don't live up to our expectations, that, that breaks trust and hurts, uh, hurts trust. So that's one of the surprises uh, uh, that, that really came out. And I'm hoping that this conversation could be a dialogue. One of the things that I've gotten a chance to work with a lot of different organizations, some stars, but a lot of more older organizations top down, I find that a lot of times leaders use the term, we got to lead strong. And so when they say we got to lead strong, that means God gives us direction and I sit there and plan out the vision, but sometimes they're not very open to different ideas. Are, do you see some of that, especially in older, more established organizations? I see it with uh, older organizations and with older mentalities. Uh, quite frankly, Tommy, I've seen, especially with millennials, I mean, millennials want to be involved. And, uh, and I've also, I'm, I'm much more of a servant leadership uh, oriented. We found that organizations that have servant leadership uh, approaches uh, do better. You know, with millennials, you know, some of the key questions we ask for, ask, for example, is uh, do, uh, uh, are my suggestions sought in, and do people, does the organization act on my suggestions or am I involved in decisions that impact me? So we're seeing that organizations with flourishing workplaces uh, and work, workplace cultures, uh, the employees have a role and a bigger role than, uh, than autocratic top-down uh, uh, 
types of organizations. And, and when, when you've involved in people in those kinds of things, their engagement is much, much higher. And again, I, what's engagement? I, I, I use uh, the term engagement. Uh, and I mean, when employees are bringing discretionary effort to their work, you know, where they're bringing their whole selves to their workplace and, and, you know, they're willing to put in whatever is necessary to help uh, the organization succeed. So that's, that's really what we're looking for. And so to build employee engagement, which leads to uh, much more of a customer satisfaction and loyalty, and then that breeds uh, revenue growth and or organization impact, you know, so um, yeah, that's, that's what we really see more and more uh, involvement from employees on the front line. And would you say, Al, that's more of a change of mindset. And the reason I say this, I'm 45 years old, right? Graduate from business school. Primarily, most of my bosses have always been baby boomer. I'm very, very used to top down. Tommy, just do this, carry it out. But I spent 18 years doing college ministry as a volunteer. I learned I had to dialogue with our student leaders. That has helped me now with yeah. staff, younger staff in different parts of the world where it becomes more of a collaboration. Whereas I'll still share my thoughts, but a lot of times I'm asking them their inputs and implementation too. And, you, and so when you do that, you're going to get much further uh, over the long term. And, uh, you know, you can do it alone and uh and go fast uh, uh but if you want to go far you know involve others i mean that's that's uh what what we see more and more but yeah you know and i'm a boomer so uh i, I know exactly what you're saying and uh i listen to uh boomers say well here's my you know here's the direction we're going to go in i've just come down from the mountain i've i've got uh i've got the vision and and you know i'm going to communicate it and people are going to you know just fall in line and well, I don't see that anymore, uh, and that's not working as uh, as well as it may have in the past. I mean, things have changed. Uh, the culture has changed in that regard. In your book, you use the acronym called Flourish as F is in fantastic teams, life giving work, outstanding talent, uplifting growth, rewarding comp uh, compensation, inspirational leadership, sustainable strategy, healthy communication. In, in working with hundreds and thousands of ministry leaders, which one comes easy for people? Which one comes harder for different groups to embrace? Well, that's the first time I've been asked that question. What comes easier? Um, uh, you know, well, I'm just going to start with uh, uh, fantastic teams. You know, we all know and can feel when our team is working effectively and, and we know how important that is. And so that's, that's uh, you know, perhaps the easiest. Uh, um, and then uh, I'd say, you know, but what's the most important out of those eight that you've mentioned? And, and let me say, uh, these aren't my ideas as to what creates a flourishing workplace. This is based on research of hundreds of thousands yeah. of employee questionnaires We've done a factor analysis, the statistical factor analysis, then, and the, uh, you know, the, the analysis tells us there are eight groups of questions that actually drive engagement in uh, Christian-led workplaces. So, so that's the, the basis for it. But uh, the most impactful is uh, inspirational leadership. That's the most important because it's the, it's the character and competence of, uh, 
of leadership that creates the culture, you know, and, and again, all of the culture writers will tell you the, the people that have the most influence on the culture is, uh, is the leader. And uh, we've seen that over and over and over again. You know, if, uh, if, the, if there's a good culture in a workplace, it's probably due to the leader or the leadership team. If there's a toxic culture in a workplace, it's probably due to the, to the leader or the leadership team and the way they're uh, leading the organization. With inspirational leadership, let's say now putting your consultant hat on, you encounter a company that just scores low marks all the time, especially in the area of inspirational leader. The leader has an ego problem. The leader is sits there and is can be abusive with their words, auction. Can they come back? Can it change? And and, and you mentioned your book a lot of times. Organizations can change. Yeah. How yeah. can a leader come back when? All time, their marks are all time low, and people have aren't inspired by this leader. So the the survey itself becomes the benchmark, and leaders can, uh, and I've seen this uh, with uh, leaders that created just really toxic organizations, and they they just didn't understand how their leadership created toxicity, and so uh, by having having a benchmark, having a way of understanding, well, this is what it takes to create a flourishing workplace, then they can kind of, uh, you know, study to the test, if you will. So, okay, uh, and through the feedback. So we ask questions like uh, in Christian organizations, leaders exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, uh, I can tell you a lot of uh, Christian leaders will look at that question, you know, love, peace, patience, kindness, et cetera. I mean, that's, uh, and if they're scoring low on that, then, then they need to listen and, and do a little analysis and think about, okay, so how do I need to change my behavior so that, so that people are seeing uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in me? We also ask questions around compassion and uh, humility. I mean, those are, those are core Christian characteristics that, I believe are core to good leadership period. Uh, and, and so having a leader listen to feedback, I mean, how, how do adults learn? Adults learn particularly leaders uh, from feedback and, uh, and it needs to be anonymous feedback. So where people can actually give you truthful feedback. And, and so you get that feedback and you learn from it and you can change. Yeah. So I, I believe even the, even the, uh, you know, the most difficult leaders can see, oh, this isn't working for me with those that I lead. I can, I can be a more effective leader if I change and do things differently. And let me experiment with that. And when it works, then it's like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm now, I'm making uh, even more progress than I was before. So yeah, I'd say any organization can change. I've seen, I've seen obstinate leaders look at the look at this and say okay i need to change uh people are seeing me in this way they may not believe that they actually are that way but people are seeing my leadership and the outcome is is you know uh creates these kinds of uh experiences for those that are working with me and i can change and improve that and and yeah i've seen that over and over but uh, let me ask you a quick question. You mentioned toxic leadership. We read stories of the secular companies. We read stories of what's happening in Hollywood, of toxic leadership. What does toxic leadership look like in a Christian organization? 
That's a that's a really good question, Tommy. Okay, so what does toxic leadership look like? You know, it's it's the opposite of uh, of a flourishing workplace. It's where um, you know it's often it's harsh. It's um, where where there's no communication. It's where I mean I've seen situations where where the leader or the leadership team you know they don't communicate externally. People. People receive news and information through the grapevine, not not through you know official channels, and um, and things change. And and we've seen uh, implementation of, of 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 things that don't work. And then then it's a matter of where leaders also don't actually behave uh, and do what they say they're going to do. So you know, integrity is a is a, a lack of integrity is a key part of it. Those are those are just some examples of uh, of uh, what we've seen. You know, toxic leadership uh, uh, in Christian organizations. Even though leaders are Christians, uh, if things, you know, oftentimes, you know, there's great visions and there's great missions, and and uh, you know, they're on the wall. But what I've seen in a lot of Christian workplaces, there's no real focus on on how things work and. When we see that things don't work well, or the competence of leadership, then relationships get broken. Uh, people start to, you know, have conflict with each other, and and uh, so it's both character and competence when it comes to to leadership. And really, at the at the core of it is trust and integrity. And is the is there leadership? Is there trust between the leaders and employees? And is and are the leaders acting with integrity? You're spurring me on a lot of different questions. For instance, I find out a lot of times with certain leaders, this toxic leadership spurs out of two things, their insecurity issues. A lot of times they have to feed their ego or especially in this day and age, creating this platform. Hey, we got to create a platform with social media because then we get the book deals. Then we get the speaking engagements. Then we're serving the ministry and we're proclaiming the gospel. So we're doing it. And so they justify all these things and suddenly they push people to the brim and they become insensitive toward the employees. Is that what you're seeing a lot of times or am I missing the point on some of these things? Yes, I think uh, we see that, Tommy. There's no question. You know, so we asked the question uh, in our survey uh, uh, about, you know, are are leaders uh, serving Christ first in decision makings? You know, so what's the other approach? Well, it's when you're serving your first yourself first in decisions, and and so. you know, when a leader is serving the organization, serving the, the greater needs, that's uh, uh, that's the better approach than when they're serving themselves. And sometimes that's hard for leaders to understand the difference between the two. But uh, um, um, yeah, what you know, what is the leader? What are they really trying to achieve? And if it's all about them, then uh, it's going to be hard for people to, especially more and more in the in this generation. Uh, it's going to be harder for people to actually follow them and they'll be looking for other places to work. Yeah. Uh, one question in terms of grace. A lot of times companies is different from Christian organizations where there's the issue of grace. How do you balance grace and love and forgiveness versus not being competent, making mistakes all the time, and eventually you used to have to do what's best for an organization, cut that employee. How do you balance the two together? 
I think it's this you know, needs to be the same, uh, whether secular or or Christian organizations. And Christian organizations in my twenty years have have become a little better at this. I mean, yes, they're they're grace is a wonderful thing. And uh, uh, I've worked in organizations where they say, you know, we're a grace filled organization, and and so that just causes me to kind of shiver a little bit because that sounds like there's no accountability, quite frankly, uh, when organizations will say that. And there, um, so there needs to be accountability and, and, you know, true conversation about, uh, uh, people's performance. And, you know, there's, you know, three strikes, uh, you know, let's talk about it once. Let's talk about it again. If there's no behavior change, let's talk about it a third time. And, uh, and, you know, maybe that person, because of their gifts or skills and their, their chemistry can better serve God in a different organization. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there needs to be that kind of a, that kind of a, an approach. Uh, I'll say it's maybe not what you're asking, uh, yeah. me, but, uh, um, uh, you know, having, having, uh, the character and the comments competence, but also the chemistry, you know, having people that can actually work together where they have common goals. You know, uh, I, I do like, uh, you know, Jack Welch used to say the most dangerous person on your team is somebody that is a high performer, but they don't live your values. And, uh, you know, that's an example of uh, somebody that needs to, you know, actually work in another situation where their values match, uh, match the organization. Yeah. Are you finding, like, for instance, you probably encounter so many different cultures. Well, I'm going to talk about age groups in the future. As an Asian American, I've been trained how to work. I have a different mentality than those who are maybe Latino, African-American, uh, Caucasian. How does culture play a role in terms of as you start working through some of these surveys? Well, let me say, Tommy, off the bat, I mean, we, we actually, in our, you know, uh, tens of thousands of surveys that we do every year with our, our ministry uh, and mission partners, uh, we actually ask, you know, okay, what is your, uh, what is your uh, ethnic background? Yeah. And, pleased to say that in the body of Christ, that every ethnic background uh, scores equally uh, when it comes to engagement overall in their organizations. Very good. So, okay. so that's, that's, a, that's a place to start. Now, the, uh, you know, and as, as race has become such a big issue in the last couple of years, uh, because, you know, since George Floyd, um, what we've learned is it's it's the same things that make a great culture that 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 cause people of different backgrounds to to understand each other in in the workplace. And so where there's a lot of listening, where there's a lot of caring and compassion and uh, dialogue. Well, that that's how we come to yeah. learn uh, yeah. about uh, different cultures and how people react differently. So when we have a a caring, loving, open, and and uh, listening culture, uh, you know that's that's what what we find is uh, really helpful. And and you know also the reality is is when because of of the diversity of the of the people we're serving with most of our organizations, having that diversity on our own team really makes us even more effective and and that's of growing importance and you know i'm not that's nothing new but i do i can report that that all uh different levels of uh 
ethnic backgrounds in the body of Christ and Christian organizations overall, they're equally engaged. Yeah. And, and the reason I ask you this is I, I, I'm sitting here in Chicago, Illinois. Again, I'm a baby boomer, 45 years old. My folks in Jakarta, Indonesia are Chinese Indonesians. For the most part, we tend to understand our upbringing pretty well. I've had to learn to work with our team in Nairobi or now over in Pretoria or Johannesburg. And even in terms of a lot of communications with our uh, one of our leaders in Austin, Texas, he's a little bit older, about 60 years old. And we've had to have a lot of conversations yeah. about how do you work? And I love what you're saying is there's a lot of listening, a lot of conversations, but wrestling through some of those things. Yeah. And, and being, being brave. So, you know, again, as Christians, if we've got the love of Christ in our hearts, we're going to be more open and less insecure about um, understanding uh, those around us and not being fragile. And, and you mentioned earlier, uh, again, leaders can be fragile or uh, unwilling to, to uh, accept feedback. Uh, and, and again, when, and this is a really a core difference, I believe, in, in Christian-led organizations. When the leaders have the love of Christ in their hearts, they're going to be thinking about the other person, learning about the other person, understanding how they can love the other person, understanding how where the other person is coming from, both from a uh, ethnic cultural background, maybe also from a different personality uh, background, and and so on. Those are all those are all common from my my experience to uh, get to know and to work with uh, with uh, diverse groups. Yeah, we're talking with Al Lopez, uh, the author of Road to Flourishing, Eight Keys to Boost Employees' Engagement and Well-Being. Two last questions I want to ask you, especially now you have still the baby boomers, you have the Gen X, you have the millennials and Gen Z. How do you see the four of them working together? What are some of the things that you're seeing that surprises you, good and bad, about all these generations working together? Again, it's a it's by understanding some of the differences, and uh, and again, you've you've outlined some of them. But but uh, as as we're working with uh, millennials and even uh, Gen Z coming in, uh, they are and and it's an exciting group from my perspective because they bring so much to the table. But they want to be involved. They want to have opportunities to uh, to have a say in the work that they're doing, and they're really looking for meaning and purpose in their work. and And yes. that's the competitive thing that Christian-led organizations have that other secular organizations don't. I mean, there's there there is a higher level. There should be a higher level of meaning and purpose in in the work that uh, Christian organizations are doing because of the work has an impact on eternity. And, um, and again, that's when it comes to the labor market, uh, that's the competitive advantage. Uh, and that's, and, and we're also seeing, you know, uh, Tommy, that our, our factor sustainable strategy, it's, it's growing in importance amongst our eight keys because uh, we're seeing that millennials and Gen Z as they're coming into the workplace now, um, you know, working with organizations that are actually effectively meeting the needs of their constituents and that they have a, a plan and an approach to meeting those needs 
and a, and a quality of the programs, they're looking for those kinds of organizations to, uh, to join. And uh, I think that has great, uh, 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 you know, means a great thing for the future of, uh, of Christian-led organizations. Yeah, very, very good. I have one last question, and more so is something I, I'm interested. So suddenly you work with all of these different Christian organizations. You may have one or two organizations that just scores low every single time. Year one, year two, year three, and you're sitting there, oh my gosh, we're entering year four, you're still, a, what do you say to them? I mean, I, are, are, they, are they just not paying attention? How, how do you work with them then here, Al? There are those organizations, you know, they, they will, um, they know they want to improve. They'll, they'll ask their employees for feedback. We'll give them a report, you know, here are three things to work on that will move the needle. Um, they come back, they serve in the next year, nothing changes the next year, nothing changes. Um, <clears throat> typically what happens is, uh, you know, I suggest that it's like a, it's like chemistry. You need to have a catalyst that comes in to help them uh, do something differently, you know? So it's, uh, you know, consultants coming from the outside. We'll, we'll, we'll actually do that. We'll help them. We do 360 reviews on leaders to help them be, understand what's working and what's not. And, uh, and we help them build their culture. So, so an outside catalyst to come to create a different kind of a, of a reaction uh, from what they're currently doing is the uh, is what we've seen but uh, many organizations they 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 understand oh gosh this is helpful i can do this that and the other thing and our culture will improve and it does and uh, but sometimes you know you need some help from the outside in terms of a new catalyst yeah 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 very very good hey uh al if people want to hear a little bit more about what you're doing where can they find you where can they find more information about best christian workplaces yeah, so I'd encourage people to check out our podcast. That's the Flourishing Culture podcast. It's a weekly podcast. We have many of our ministry uh, and mission partners uh, interviewed on that. Also, best it's, our website is bcwinstitute.org. They can uh, learn about that. We're also uh, Best Christian Workplaces on Facebook and uh, Lopez on Twitter. Wonderful. Al, thank you so much for finding some time. I learned a lot from you and more so just because I get a chance to work with three or four different organizations from different countries. So uh, hearing from you and reading your book has helped me out a lot. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Tommy. And it's really a pleasure to speak to your audience and our employee engagement survey. We have 23 languages and growing uh, across the world. And so yeah, we really enjoy working with uh, churches in Pretoria and schools in uh, Indonesia and in uh, places, you know, literally around the world. So it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Talk soon. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Grow Center's Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader Podcast. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Grow Center channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with the Grow Center on Instagram and Facebook at Grow Center Network and our website at www.thegrowcenter.com. See you next time.